with JV to the pros. This is season two, episode 46. How apropos is that? I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner who has not missed the show and he's not going to miss this week's show, the mm-hmm. Iron Man of Broadcasting, Mr. Unbelievable, Mr. Reliable, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey. You betcha. I'm not going to miss the show. Uh, to Miss spending time with Hollywood Jack? No way. Well, Mike, well, first you're coming of all, up he's... on your 60th consecutive show. Do you realize that? Next no, week, I, I think, is your 60th consecutive show. Uh, two wow. things, I mean, guys. Yeah. Two things. I'm trying. I'm two trying. Things. One, he's not Hollywood Jack. He's technically Claremont Jack. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> yeah. there are three constants in the, in the universe. I'm going to die. I have to pay taxes, and Corey has never missed an episode. What's up with that? There's three things you can count on. And I am sitting here with our co-producer, the queen of Queens, the queen of Queens, New York, Miss Karen. Karen, say hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hi, Karen. Hi, Corey. Do you happen to have a producer somewhere nearby? I do. It is Robin with a Y in the nest. Hello. Hi. Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> Was that not sexy? Was that not sexy? That Say that sexy. again. Do that again. Do that one more, more time. One more. One more. Ooh. You gotta say what that New England right. accent with and the clam chowder. With the show. You guys have a good time. I'm, I'm going. You yeah. Nope. I'm See, committed. You're good, you're good to go, right? Well, <laughs> we don't want to get Paco all worked up. <laughs> Doesn't take much. All you need is a little gust of wind. Man. <laughs> All right. Now. So, Jack, you mentioned about uh, 46. Is there anything significant for you about the number 46? I, I think it, I think the the change of power um, from 45 to 46 is all but done, no matter who's throwing a tantrum. And um, we're we're watching 46 enter as 45 leaves, and we're doing episode 46 as 46 is stepping into the office. He's hiring staff. He's getting his cabinet in order. And no matter who's not willing to concede. <laughs> Actually, Jack, it'd be more like this. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. You know, usually lawyers... As long as you're paying them, they'll just keep working. But he's had five of his six attorneys quit. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this is not worth the fight. There's nothing to fight about here. Well, you know, well, you know, something else about the four, uh, the number 46, you know, it signifies loyalty and kindness and devotion. And so people who possess this number, they stay in relationships for a long time. So that's something else to know about the number 46. Uh, another thing that 46 means to me, one of the greatest hockey players in uh, history, Bobby Orr, defenseman, scored 46 points. I'm sorry, 46 goals as a goals. Yes, which was unheard of. And I have something that's significant about 46. I can look forward to turning that age in 10 years. All right. <laughs> Are you turning 46 in 10 years? That's amazing. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm going backwards. 
<laughs> you started started counting back at forty and you went the other way. <laughs> now now you guys wanna you guys wanna have a good laugh. Right before we went on air tonight, I got a I got a an update that the person who is honorably in charge of qualifying the integrity of the vote across the country and has, assured, and has assured the president and has assured the president that this vote was not tainted. There was no fraudulent ballots. There was no voter fraud. So Trump, instead of just taking this guy and saying, Hey, good job. He said, Oh really? No voter fraud. You're fired. He fired the guy. <laughs> I, I see Karen standing behind you with a frying pan, so we're going to change the subject. Well, actually, it's funny. He got fired via Twitter, of all things. Yeah, so he, tweeted, he tweeted the fire. Oh, you're thinking of the Secretary of Defense. Oh, that guy, Secretary yeah. Secretary of Defense got fired Guys, via, via Twitter. The thing about this the... guy got fired the moment he assured Trump that there was no voter fraud and there's no sign of anything being wrong with this election. He fired him. <laughs> well, the thing about the Trump administration, it's a revolving door, basically. Yeah. It's like, get me a guy so, that can get me this. I'm so here's sorry. what I'm going to do. I'm going to issue a challenge to the two of you to see uh -oh. if to see how many episodes you can go without mentioning the name Donald Trump. That's a challenge. I want to see if you guys can actually do that if you actually have the intestinal fortitude and the strength and the courage. Well, my intestines work. Without I mean, mentioning his name. That's the challenge. That's the challenge to see if you guys can do it. So the no Cheeto challenge. Well, the truth is his real name is Drumpf. So I guess I could just say Drumpf. That's how I, that's how I notate him what, on Facebook. What do you think? Of, what do you think of that challenge, Karen? What do you think about that? Karen is not. Karen is not right here right now. Okay. So I have something else that's really neat for us, but it's going to be next week. You guys are going to hear it. You know how we do our intro and with all our different names? One of our biggest fans has created a rap intro for JV to the Pros. And it's awesome. It is fresh. Like and it's got all the nicknames. It includes all of the nicknames. Hold up. All five of us. Where's yes. this guy from? Well, East Coast, West Coast, Dirty you South. Gotta hear it. You gotta hear it. Okay. And it's uh, it's cool. No cursing. It's just good stuff. Good beats. I want to hear this. Oh, so it's kid and play. <laughs> uh, not exactly, but uh, close. Okay. Oh, is it? Does I he have the eraser and haircut? Uh, no. Yeah, when I uh, when I have it, yeah, you'll definitely hear it when I have it. I don't have it; it's not ready yet. Actually, Corey, have uh, you? He's got to he's gotta lay he's got to lay it all in. But um, uh, I heard the draft of it, and it's uh, cool. It's about uh, 20, 25 seconds, thirty seconds. No, oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, it's a good a good uh, intro, and that's why you're Hollywood Jack in that. Okay, so twenty twenty five seconds, thirty seconds. That's yes. perfect. I think you guys, I think you guys are going to love it. It is really, it's really well done. It's in good taste. Um, and the lyrics fit our personalities. 
All right. Yeah, it fits our it fits our personality. So okay, this is. I mean, uh, I, I mean you know, we, we got we got Warren Warren put together our intro and exit music. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, he went into the studio and did that especially for us and gave us like a dozen choices. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll work it into the show over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be a lot of uh, it'll be a lot of fun. This is. Uh, this is probably our most consistent listener because he is constantly telling me like what we talked about. Oh, I like this. I like that. I have fun, this or that. Um, so it's, uh, it's cool. I think we'll, okay. uh, we'll have a good time with it. Yes. Sounds like that sounds like a party. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then the other okay. thing, before we, then, then one more thing before we get started, before we get into the meat of our show is that, uh, and Jack, you and I will talk about this. We'll have some of our new sponsors on, some of our guests. We'll have them on five, ten minutes and get them to talk about, you know, their businesses and things and what they're doing. Yeah, but yeah. we'll do that sometime. And, we'll I, yeah, and, I, and I still need the, you know, the, the highlights and stuff and, and be able to draw up something. So just... Get get that to me, and I'll put it together. It take me no time at all. Yeah, I sent it to Karen. Karen has it. Oh, Karen has it. Yeah, Karen has it. She's got oh. it. Oh, and you have it too. You have it too. Okay. I'll Name, check my email. phone numbers, everything. You've got it all. all right. I promise you. Okay. Yeah. You We're got on. It. Yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't keep anything from you. I promise. <laughs> I'm losing ground on the other show we do in LA, but you know, I, I got to start either learning how to pick up my email on my phone, or or definitely getting text with that with that link each week. Well, you know, look, I was late. Look, I was late getting here. I didn't get I didn't get on until five fifteen. Uh, oh, okay, because I was texting and texting. I was like. For those that are listening, Corey and I are part of a show out of LA as well, and. For some reason, the last couple of weeks, that link to join that show has not gotten to me. <laughs> it's been buried in my email. So I've been missing out on on that fun, which is a whole different brand of show than what we do. It's a much more serious show. It's not nearly the laughs we get. So what do we have going on tonight as we as we get into season two, episode 46? Well, let's dive into it. Let's Let's get into it. Well, you know, we're in the purple now. So I was curious about, like, what that means for, like, a young person. So, like, Jack, you know, we're older guys. We're married guys. You know, we work. We come home. We got our wives, you know, kind of like the whole King of Queens kind of thing, right? (laughs) We We work and we come home to our wives pretty much, right? So... But I'm curious about what would that be like now with this pandemic where, like, there's no clubs, bars. Like, if we were 25, like, how would we really feel about all of this going on? You know? It's got to be really tough for a young person. At 25, I was really unbridled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't know that I would have cared about about these rules. I was, I, I you know, I was 
a, a very thrilled person to be out here in California. And, you know, I was working and dating and, and pretty much that was like working out. I mean, my life was like three arteries of, of um, everything I was doing. It was just working, dating and working out. That was pretty much it. You know, um, I, I don't know that I would have, I don't know that I would have conformed. I don't know that I would have been able to control myself and keep myself under control and stay quarantined and the mask and area. I, I would have lost my mind. It would definitely be hard. I mean, I wasn't in California um, at that age, but I mean, I had moved to Oregon like you being, being an East coaster coming to the West coast, you know, it's just a different way of life. And yeah. so I'm living in Portland, Oregon, you know, I'm a young school teacher and that was my life and having summers off, you know, I worked eight to three. I worked eight to three every day and that was it. Weekends now, off. Now at, tw at 25, how well would you have conformed to these rules that we're living under now? Probably being a teacher, I would have because I would have had the responsibility of, you know, dealing with my students and things like that. But I have to be honest, it would be really hard. And like, what do you do on a Friday night? Like you come home. So you're 25, I'm 25, you work. Okay, the gyms are close. So we don't even have that. So you think about that. Well, the, the, gym gyms, the, gyms are, the gyms are open, but they're, they're outdoor. Here's the weird thing. Um, like the one gym, the one um, gym that I work out at um, is in a mall and it has an open patio area that literally okay. is about 60 feet by 40 feet. But they're allowed to put 135 people in that small area to work yeah, out. I mean, I, okay. yeah. I mean, so I haven't gone there because there's no way they get six feet between everybody. So yeah. I haven't gone there. The other, the other uh, branch of this gym uh, actually put a circus tent in the parking lot area because it's a strip mall and they've taken up the parking spots. And um, it's a circus tent, but it doesn't have anything in the way of ventilation. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to a friend of mine, um, I think yesterday about the fact that he went in there and in about 15 minutes, he can tell that there wasn't any ventilation to speak of. And yeah. again, 135 people in a circus tent without ventilation, sweating up a storm. And he got out of there in about 15 minutes because I mean, all the jokes and everything, the fact is, I mean, people are sweating and breathing on each other. Yeah. You really increase the probability of catching this thing. If it's, if it's as bad as they say. Exactly. Um, well, we do have a young person and that's uh, Paco fairly young. So Paco, I mean, tell us, us um, old guys. So what do you do? How do you handle? How do you handle it? Like, what do you do? Yeah, Paco, you're in your twenties. I mean, how are you dealing with it? I mean, you know, you have a big advantage in that. You know, I mean, you're not dealing with the, you know, the frustration of a rotating black book. You know, you're you're well under control in that in that area. So pretty much, you just well, I mean, you just you're you're home. You're at work. I mean, those stick are that knife in. Stick that knife in deeper. Just let's kid, just stick it in. <laughs> Twist it. Either. 
Well, guys, to be honest, I think it's actually pretty polarizing. Much like much like the red and blue line that you know it kind of divides this country. There's a lot of people that are just not giving two craps about you know. Well, I'll just say it on the air: not giving two. F and then the other half is, for goodness' sake, keep your mask on, keep your grandma alive. And as much as I admire, because uh, America's always been like you know. We're the ones that, you know, we make the rules. Other people just follow suit. So having this thing was like a challenge to us because we've never experienced this kind of problem before as a society, let alone, you know, here. And I'll get to dating in a little bit. But also you have this also contingent of people that are more uh, knowledgeable, at, especially at a younger age, than what people were at your age. And this kind of knowledge was only confined to, you know, intellectuals, college uh, you know college students but now it's more mainstream so it's like now they feel like they have like this obligation to tell people that they have to keep their masks on in order to enforce this uh, to in order to enforce this sense of like we're all in this together that's what the media is pumping into us and a lot of people are rebelling that because they always want to fall they always want to fall way to they think that there's some kind of invisible hand pulling the strings and i think so that so having said all that how do you handle it? i want to know we want to know how you handle it how do I handle it? I mean, yeah. when you go to work, you're, you're on a set, right? So you're you're wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. You're keeping your distance, right? I mean, you so, go well, actually, friends, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? It's a Friday night, Saturday night. Like, what? How are you? How are you getting by in this? Because I know some young people are struggling. So what about you? In my case, I just stay mostly at home and then, you know, just watch films and Netflix and I'm always editing at home. You know, being a videographer, it's very time consuming, especially the editing stuff. So I'm always busy with that. Obviously, the one thing I do miss is going out to meet with friends and bars. But most of my friends, like my little inner circle, they've already left for, you know, greener pastures. I always work with a pretty small team to begin with. It's just myself, the producer, and the guests along with the host. So that's usually a four or five group, depending on how many people are on, on the show. And they're all actually, you know, working all the time. So they're tested. So there's the possibility of getting infected is pretty remote. Because sure. And then whenever we're, you know, we're always stuck to the same location. So we don't have any issues. And then on top of that, when going out and whatnot, I'm usually like a f away from people, and then altogether, it's just enjoying the, the just the the mere side of just walking down the street just to enjoy something. It's like mm -hmm. I have to keep the mask on because it's like there's the prospect of death, not from me, but the people I interact because I'm pretty tight. I'm I'm very close knit with my family, so God forbid I get infected, that means that my dad gets exposed and my dad has asthma, so it's basically like a big old target painted on his chest. And then, you know, he likes to, and I visit my grandmother and my grandparents constantly. And they're, you know, they're getting up there in their, in their years. So, I mean, and you know how it gets worse, especially for older people. So uh, that has always been singed into my mind. In fact, we're having this dialogue as we speak about Thanksgiving, because now with the rising, uh, rising tide in COVID cases, and it's not just testing, there actually is a enormous surge in cases because a lot of people are getting tired of all these restrictions and whatnot. Well, the other thing is they knew as the weather got colder that this would automatically kick in because it thrives in cold weather. It right. suffers in hot weather. We took a nice drop during the summer, and then we had that little heat wave in September, and then all of a sudden winter showed up, and the numbers started going through the roof. 
So it thrives in cold weather and cold showed up early this year in, in America. It did, and I, you know, and I'm going to throw in the celebrations here in San Diego, at least where I live, didn't help. That was a big, that was a big problem. I thought oh, the celebration, the celebrations from the election. Yes. Yeah. And I was on the streets. I mean, I was on the streets uh, driving and I could see it. And I came back and I told Robin with a Y and I said, you know, like nightclubs are open and people are dancing. Right. I mean, the bars, nobody has masks. I mean, they're dancing and they're hugging, they're hugging strangers yeah. and everybody's twirling each other around. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something interesting. I don't know if Robin with a Y is listening, but um, I didn't realize, and I just found this out today, that Joe Biden got more votes for president than any president in U.S. history. Take that, Trump. We we're not going to mention his name. I didn't. I said Trump. That's right, Trump. We're, we're going to go without mentioning his name. No, but I mean, that's, that's not pretty amazing. People, people came out as they never have before and voted in, a, in numbers that have never happened before. Yeah. And you know how certain people like to talk about big numbers at rallies and stuff? before they lose the election you don't hear you don't hear any of the mention of the fact that no nobody has ever gotten 74 million votes or 76 million votes for president in America ever yeah but see all that celebrating though going back to our point is now now we're paying for it it's like celebrate, right. celebrate with your mask on I have a like, question. You know, do you think we were being naive about this whole thing? I think some people were definitely naive. I mean, anytime you have morons that are having COVID parties and gatherings to see who actually gets it. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know that, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, Corey. And then let me let me let me word this just right. When you're in your 20s and into your early 30s. I don't know that you're so much of a moron as you are with that feeling of invincibility where you feel like nothing can get you because you're just Superman at that age and you're just invincible. And I think we've all done it and we've all done stupid, stupid things. And I look back and I tell Karen about things that I did back then and she, you know, I mean, I once told her about how I rode a jet ski along the lip of a dam and I brought her to the dam, not realizing it's like a 40 story drop. Had I caught a wake just wrong. <laughs> I mean, okay. you, you do think I've done you, dumb you things. I, I hear you. I'm not sitting yeah. here saying that I have not done stupid things, but tell me, but just say it out loud. There is a pandemic, which is something that is rare to occur in our lifetime that kills that we know nothing about. So then you are having a party because you're trying to catch this. Well, you're challenging it because you're, you feel invincible. That's stupid. That to me is worse than skiing. And I've done some crazy skiing. You've done jet skiing and things like that. Okay. But you're telling me that's worse than I'm trying to catch this? That's like you, that's like you skiing, Jack, saying, you know what? Okay, you know what? I'm going to try. 
I'm going to try to go off this uh, this thing here and drop 40 feet. You didn't no, say no. No, you didn't no, I say was saying I was saying I was on the top of a dam that was forty stories. Forty stories. You didn't caught a wake or or a little rip a little ripple wrong. Though me and the jet ski would have gone off forty stories to the to the water below. Yeah, that, I, mean, that, I, I admit I wouldn't have done that. I admit I wouldn't. I would not. And have I mean, I was doing it just to show off for girls. Okay. I mean, because because All I right. just didn't believe anything. I I didn't believe I could fail at this. So I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's stupidity. I think it comes with the territory of being young and feeling invincible. Okay. I'm going to tell you why it's, I'm going to tell you why I think it's stupid. Couple reasons, because I think that we, if we're not smarter now, then we are definitely more well-informed. And what I'm saying is with all the information out there, we have libraries at our fingertips. We carry libraries in our back pocket, in our purses. So you can read about this and how it's killing people and what it does and, and how it affects you. So why you would say, let's have a party to see who's going to catch it. Well, see, that is, be, hold up. J- here's Corey. the problem. Here's the problem. Right. The reason why go they ahead, had the party ahead, in the first place, it's like the same analogy as when you're a kid and your parents force you to, uh, to you know, have a... Uh, have a slumber party with your neighbor's kid who has chicken pox. It's because obviously when you have it, oh, when the older version is the measles, so they uh, obviously it's much more lethal then. So when you're a kid, you catch it, you already have the antibodies. What so that, parent is forcing you to have a slumber party yeah, I've never with heard somebody that. who's infected? What yeah, I mean I, to I've say is their rationale for the COVID party was that they figured, their rationale was they thought, oh, we're all going to catch this anyway, so let's just get this oh, over with. No, Paco. but hold up. No, the, I'm hit serious. The hit the brakes. No. Hit the brakes. Do your research. Do your homework, boys. Hit the brakes. This is not, we're talking about young people that are making foolish decisions because they don't have life's experience. We're not talking about parents that are saying, ha ha, let's see who gets chicken pox. That's not what we're talking about at all. <laughs> no parent is going to risk their kid getting sick when they know the threat. Yeah, what I mean, you my know father, parents that have done that. You know, of parents that have done that, Paco. Well, no, that's never happened because I never went over out. I never went over to somebody else's house as a kid like that. But it had. But I'm sure it does happen in other parts of the country. What? Oh, okay. Okay, Paco. Even in some of the stupid places that I make fun of regularly, Alabama, Missouri. Yeah, I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna call them out because. In the middle of all this, you look at places like in the Ozarks, where they were having full-on parties, and they had no fear of of catching anything in regard to COVID, and they just went about their lives, and then all of a sudden they had a spike, and they started scratching their head going, well, I wonder how that happened. Well, the other problem is we had a paralysis of leadership that was not wearing a mask, and not encouraging encouraging people to wear a mask at rallies and and gatherings, and then having full on outbreaks at the White House, et cetera, and not doing anything about it, and continuing not to do anything about it. So yeah, herein lies the problem. You got a paralysis of leadership. You got you got people who are making the decisions based on anything they can grasp hold of, and um, and then and and then you got people who are just believing that they're invincible to this. 
I mean, I don't dis I don't disagree with any of that. Um, so I mean, as a young I'm going to enlighten the both of you right now. There you go. I just sent this to you right now. So I'll ask you as a young person, where do young people go nowadays to hang out? Like, what does a young person do? Well, I mean, I go to the gym. I I go ride my motorcycle. Jack, you haven't been young in like 40 years. So uh... (laughs) you're talking to Paco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was asking him as a young person. Yeah. I mean, I was just curious. Like, do, do you go places now? I mean, on occasion, but obviously the prospect, I was always fearful of contracting the virus, so I always kept myself to a distance. And then whenever uh-huh. I did anything with friends, it would be like a really small social group. Like, for example, that Beach Boys concert, I was just stuck in the car the whole time, and I didn't mind it. I mean, that was fine, because uh-huh. I knew who those, I, I knew those people. I knew that they were confined to their home most of the time, so them catching the virus would have been minute at best. Well, I mean, the fist bumping is so much safer under these circumstances, and I have yeah. been doing fist bumping and barely touching knuckles yeah um, elbow, it's just a safer uh, route to go yeah elbow stuff yeah right yeah. right so i mean I, I i do think your generation paco has been very very careless and risky and frankly i also think that they've justified it by looking at a certain american leader who refused to wear a mask. I agree. Um, they they have blamed it on him or blame it on him. I agree. I do. Well, look, the, the way we've you gone... Can't, you can't avoid that. The yeah, way we've I gone agree. about business is definitely as a result of, or lack of results from the, you know, on the federal level. That's why the states were the first people to, you know, really do anything about it. Same thing that happened with the Ozark states. California and the West Coast, we were all locked down. The rest of the country wasn't, or at least to, to, in a smaller capacity. Like I, my, I got a brother in Florida, and right now they're they're out people outside, just you know, actually just wearing masks and just doing what they were doing before the pandemic. So let's see how long that's going to last. Well, I'll tell you what. I I spoke to somebody about a week ago who said that they just love living in Idaho, and I said, "Oh, really? What do you love about it?" And they said. A certain president's flags are everywhere, 2020, and nobody's wearing masks is what he said to me. He goes, we're doing exactly what the president does, nothing about this. And I said, you love living there because you're ignoring all the science, right? And he said, yeah. He said, we're exactly on the same page with Trump. And I'm like, okay, this kind of logic is frightening. It's frightening. (laughs) I'm ruined. I have nothing. For to say. <laughs> I have nothing for to say on the subject. I mean, you you have trumped everybody with that. <laughs> nice pun. I, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> All right. Well, we 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 have a full on agenda tonight, and I can absolutely take pot shots at that guy for a while. But um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him to call the 800 number 1 800 I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to let this ride out and wait for him to finally concede. In the meantime, what else do we have on our agenda tonight, Corey? Well, I'm thinking we'll we'll step away and then we'll come back with a little bit of Truth is Alien. I want to talk about the year of fear. Let me ask you something. The Truth is Alien, is that the synopsis of the last four years of this administration? 
<laughs> the truth is just alien to that guy. All right. I wish I had Robin with a wine nearby. <laughs> that would be my support system. <laughs> All right. Let's come back. Let's break. Let's say hello to our sponsors and thank them for being wonderful to us and, and sticking with us through all of this. And, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll do a little truth is alien. What do you say? That sounds, sounds like good. a plan. All right, guys, let's do it. Hey, I got, I got some more of that um, CBD oil, the RVD CBD oil. And oh, man, I, need it. I did a, I did a bicycle ride the other day and I my, my, my back, my my glutes. I mean, I was that stuff. That stuff is amazing. It's like a miracle. You know, I did push-ups the other day, and my elbow was killing me because you know I've had elbow problems for the longest time now. I put it on, and then it went away. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is this possible? Like one of those containers, literally has like a thousand applications in there. You only need a dot. <laughs> like it's like a dot. I'm bathing myself in that, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you can order it by the gallon, but yes. I'll tell you what, I, I love the fact that, you know, they, they, they give the, the, the discount. If any JV to pros, you know, one word, they give it, it's at least 10% discount um, for placing an order and putting JV to pros in there. That's that's great. But even if they didn't give a discount, this is, this is such a great product. RVDCBD.com. It's six letters, rvdcbd.com. You want to get rid of sore joints, sore backs, sore shoulders, knees. You got something that's sore in you, you rub some CBD oil from rvdcbd.com and you put in JB Meter Pros, all one word, in the discount bar and you'll get at least 10% off. RVDCBD, we strongly recommend. And we are shifting gears. Hit the clutch, Corey. Let's do this. What are we doing now? Let's change gears. Cue that strange music and something else I'm going to send you, Jack. I have this perfect, perfect Truth is Alien music that our biggest fan just um, came up with also. This weird, creepy music. Got to hear that, too. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Excellent. So I wanted to talk about the year 1974 and why that was something that was very interesting uh, to me. And it was when I became a writer and I started researching strange things, I started coming up with uh, different things and I kept seeing 1974, 1974. So then I finally decided to really like deep dive into it. Did you know that in 1974, we had the most prolific serial killers in this nation all come forward? Bundy committed his first known murder in January of 74. Dennis Rader, BTK, murdered his first in January 1974. Coral Eugene Watts murdered the first of an estimated 90 victims in 1974. Paul and John, 
uh, Carl Eugene Watts. Okay, wow. Yes, 1974. Paul John Knowles, who was known as the Casanova Killer, went on his killing spree murdering 18 people in 74. That's not all. You had um, some other lesser known but extremely prolific serial killers in 1974. One called uh, the Doodler, never caught, but killed up gay men in San Francisco in 1974. Roger Dale Stafford, Joseph uh, Killinger, William Suff. I mean, the list is endless. 1974, there was an explosion of serial killing. And now then I Dillinger it, wasn't related to, to the Dillinger from the Western days, right? No, no, this was Killinger. If I said Dillinger, I apologize. It's Killinger. Killinger? What a great oh. name for a serial killer. Yes. Wow. And so And so I started researching this even more, and this was something that um, FBI came up with. They later on in the 90s and in the uh, 2000, when they went back, they called it 1974, the year of fear. When they started realizing how many serial killers that we had roaming. And did you know that in 1974, when we started hitting our peak, we had um, an estimated 450 serial killers roaming the countryside, as opposed to 2019, the estimate uh, the estimated number is 67. Well, let me let me tell you something. Part of the reason is first of all, advanced police work and the science of catching criminals with DNA yeah. and and trace yeah. evidence, which frankly. In 1974, and they really almost needed someone to come forward and confess. They didn't know what they were doing as far as police work. They were not ready for the for the for the uh, David um, son of Sam. What's his name? Um, you know. Um, no, you had it right, son of Sam in the yeah, 70s. Son of Sam. They were not ready for any of these guys. And frankly, um, Berkowitz only gets caught because of a parking ticket. Yes. Otherwise, he may never have gotten caught. I mean, the yes. police really didn't know how to connect the dots. And and the police police work and, and forensics and the homicide divisions were not nearly as advanced as they are now. I mean, now you watch, you know, things like the ID channel. Yeah. You know, this guy commits a crime. And they, they have a TV show called The First 48. Well, they get somebody in custody in less than 48 hours. Like you commit a crime, even without any emotional connection or any link, no family, no friend connection. They got you in custody in 48 hours because of surveillance and DNA and trace evidence. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where you just, you can't kill anybody anymore. <laughs> well, you know, um, it got so bad in 1974 that uh, the special agent Howard uh, Teton, I believe it's how it's pronounced, uh, he had established his uh, behavioral science unit at Quantico to try to combat what was going on. I mean, they were finding bodies all over the place. You know, people were still hitchhiking in those days. So there were, the country was littered 
were just dead bodies in the woods. And so they were trying to figure out like what the hell is going on. Well, you remember you remember the the freeway slasher, the guy that was picking yeah. up hitchhikers and yeah. killing them in his van. Yeah. I mean, even when they caught that guy, they had no idea the wealth of evidence that was in that van. Exactly. Well, you had another serial killer in the 70s. His name was Robert uh, his name was Randy Kraft. And his thing was killing uh, gay men. He was targeting gay military men. And he was known as the scorecard killer. He had killed up to 51 men in the 70s. That, th that they know of? That they know of, yes. So that number could be in triple digits. Yes, because um, going back and looking up and reading up about Bundy, he's in triple digits, they think. I think so, too, because when Bundy was getting ready to be sentenced to death, he tried to buy five more years if he was able to prove by way of explanation and evidence of other bodies that they still hadn't found. Yes. Yeah. So, and yeah, certainly Bundy's numbers, I think, are off the chart. I don't know if Bundy's numbers are – who's this guy that just got caught recently and um, – he, um, he 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 killed. I think is a ninety or one hundred and fifteen people or something. Um, and he'd been doing it for fifty years. He'd been arrested multiple times. They had no idea they were looking for him. Um, there was just a documentary about him on uh, on cable. And no, I'll have, um, have to look. Yeah, that this up. guy this guy had been killing people since like fifty six, and they just caught him. And they and they just connected the dots with that guy. Okay. And uh, and he traveled with um with an older woman, and that that older woman was pretty much his alibi everywhere he went. And they just he just slipped through the cracks because they didn't have the police um, knowledge, they didn't have the training, they didn't they didn't really know how to get ahead of this. Yeah, you know what I don't understand, um, and reading up on the FBI, they don't know. But these killings, it seems like that these serial killers were targeting either gay men or Caucasian women with uh, brunette, brunettes. I, I have found, because I do watch a lot of the ID channel and, and those kind of A&E shows and stuff, I have found that what seems to be um, a common thing, do you remember... The guy who was, um, he was a gay guy who was forced to get married and his dad was like Middle Eastern and his dad used to call him the queen and annoyed him. And he went into the nightclub, the gay nightclub and shot up like everybody can get a bullet into uh, yes. about five years ago. Yes. Yeah, the Orlando yeah, shooting, yeah. right? Yeah, right, the Orlando shooting in that, in that nightclub. And yeah. that guy was gay and was pushed and pushed and pushed by his father and and the father just kept basically irritating him about the fact that he was homosexual. And then he yeah. decided he was going to eliminate a bunch of homosexuals. Somehow that was going to resolve the, the issue. And uh, he ended up being killed in the spree. But um, the truth of the matter is his father just bullied him and bullied him about being gay. And I find that um, these stories, when people go out killing gay people, 
they're killing gay people in frustration because they are gay. Yeah, I I, I agree, and that's certainly a common theme with these uh, serial killers. It's sex, in some form or fashion. It's sex, whatever they're right. repressed, whatever they're gay, whatever they're bisexual, whatever it is, and it's like they're trying to kill, um, like Bundy. The speculation was that he was trying to kill his mother over and over and over again. You know, pretty brunettes. Um, and that's what um, Bundy would target, primarily brunette. Right. right. And and with BTK, anybody that challenged his authority yes. or, or, or stood up to him, he literally strangled to death. And yep. He even killed his next-door neighbor. Yeah. And the police didn't connect him to the crime, and the crime was 18 feet from him. Right. 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 So, yeah, yeah so 74, 74. 74 was an explosion of killers all at the same time. And um, FBI, they haven't been able to explain why that particular year, why the killers were suddenly just emerging. And so, That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, 74, this country was going through, I mean, with the oil embargo, yes. long lines at the gas stations, yes. people losing their job. Uh-huh. I mean, not a lot of hope in sight. We just Water had our, our president resigned. I yes. mean, insanity was going on. And then well, along with that insanity, overflows into serial killers. I mean, and then you end up with hundreds of them all over the place. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of, um, what's his name, Alpaco or uh, Alpaca, the guy that was on the dating game? Yes, he was another one. You got it right. right. I mean, it, it took them almost 40 years to get that guy, yeah. you know, convicted. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, he was killing people as about as fast as he could meet them. Sure. And then you had the uh, Atlanta child uh, murderer. That was, was wasn't that in the 80s, though? That- no, that started in the 70s. No, 70s. But it, yeah. it continued on because they never were able to determine who it was. They think it was multiple uh, serial killers, correct? Well, it stopped when they caught him. Is the well, problem. yeah, but Paco, you, you think about the weakness of police investigations, and you look at the Golden State Rapist. This guy had been raping people for 40-plus years, yeah. and they didn't connect the dots, and he was a former police officer well that's another thing they've they've determined that a lot of people that uh, a lot of these serial killer types a comp a, a, a lot of them have had some sort of law enforcement background or in some capacity so like you know as a coroner or working as a you know a, a uh, crime scene photographer or let's see like or like in uh what's his name in, in uh, jeffrey dahmer's case like he was already learning how to embalm and uh, and dissolve bodies well yeah i mean look at btk btk was uh um, I think he was like a neighborhood safety officer or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he was going around writing tickets. What about for this people one? Who shrubbery extended onto the sidewalk. John Wayne Gacy I mean, worked for the local Democratic Party in Chicago. I mean, what's up with that? And John Wayne Gacy was acquiring um, retired police cars and it was helping to lure young men into the car because they thought he was a police officer. Oh, yeah. You know, you know I'll yeah. tell you, 
You know, out of all of my research, I think one of the worst uh, things that I saw, worst type of police work, had to deal with the uh, had to be with the Green River Killer. Now he was finally caught in 2003, but this guy was pulling the same uh, type of female, and they were prostitutes, primarily prostitutes, from the same small location. And they didn't set up a proper sting operation. It was just completely bungled. Prostitutes were saying, yes, we see this guy, this weird guy, driving a, uh, driving the same truck. And don't you know that one of the victim's um, brother followed uh, the Green River Killer to his house, called the police, went to a payphone, called the police, the police knocked on the door, and the girl was there, and the police didn't go inside. Yeah, I, you know what, I, I heard, I, and she ended up dead. Yes. Yeah, and they, they completely blew it, and, and I was going to bring up one other guy that, um, in your hometown, near Philadelphia, who was, um, putting women in his basement in holes with yes. weights on top and the police were being called there regularly because of the smell. And he kept saying that he was burning dinner. And in fact, when people, when, when certain victims were dying, he was literally cooking them and feeding them to the ones that were still alive. And they executed him, right? 2001. I think he, he was executed. Yeah. I mean, but the police, had gone to that house repeatedly and never entered. He just kept saying, oh, yeah, I'm burnt dinner. And I was like, all right, well, you know, kind of keep it down. And they just would leave. Yeah. But it's one of those things, Corey, like, if you knew then what you know now, I mean, now, you know, this whole, you know, you see something, say something, police are, are much more in tune to little minutiae of details that we used to just simply overlook. Certainly, my father, maybe the worst cop in American history. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he ever made a legitimate arrest in his life. <laughs> but, I mean, cops routinely just kind of got through their shift. They didn't really, they weren't thinking like Columbo. They weren't picking up on little details. Right. And now, with, with, you know, studies and interrogation, you'll find that, when they, they look at interrogation footage, they hear something that the guy says in which he de describes somebody who has not yet been found as dead, and they describe them in the past tense. And yeah. police have learned, they've trained their minds to pick up on that when somebody says, oh, yeah, she was wonderful. What it was? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, Jack, because that's actually what sunk Bundy during his trial because, you know, he decided that he was going to be his own lawyer because he didn't trust anybody else. And so if you watch some of the footage, he was talking about when he was questioning people, he started saying things that only a person at the crime scene would know about. Right. And that's how he sunk himself. Right. And the, the other thing is, um, I saw an interview with Bundy after he was convicted and exhausted his appeals in which he said, had I known the, because Bundy was a smart guy. 
Yes. He's a very smart guy. Yes. And Bundy said, had I known that the prosecution was going to take that path to prosecute, I absolutely would have taken a different path in defense, and I certainly would be free now. Yeah. Which is just frightening that that he could have figured out a way to combat a very strong case in which he's just been going around killing innocent victims. Since this is the truth is alien, yeah. I'm going to throw out this wild theory that I've had for years. Wild speculation. You want a drum roll? Paco, drum give roll. a drum roll. <laughs> I, believe, I believe that Bundy and uh, the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, I believe that they knew each other. And I'll tell you why I say that. Same because, part of the world? Uh, same part of the world. They were dumping bodies in the same area. Right. Same location. But also, they were doing the same things to the body, to the bodies. So in other words, they, each one was going back and committing these heinous acts to the bodies. And I mean, they were within like a few feet of each other, some of the bodies. And when Bundy was killed, I'm sorry, when Bundy was captured, yeah, one of the first things that he said was, hey, listen, you know what? I can give you a profile on the uh, Green River Killer. Well, now, you had all these other serial killers, but right. why you He knew that one. Yes. Here's, I, here's the other thing that's kind of interesting. You know, BTK got away, and I think BTK was in Kansas or um, – yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. What okay. you're talking. So, so okay. So he's in Kansas, and they approach Bundy after complete frustration on how to catch this guy, and they put just some of the basic evidence before him in paperwork, mm -hmm. and in about ten minutes, Bundy was able to develop a profile saying this is a family man. He's got children, maybe grandchildren. He works with a uniform. I don't know what kind of uniform, but it's something in and around law enforcement. And he was able to really pinpoint BTK. So Raider, Dennis Raider, was caught because Bundy looked at this paperwork in a way that the police just simply, their lens didn't focus on the stuff that Bundy can see as a serial killer. And he yeah. was able to tell them exactly who they were looking for. And soon thereafter, Dennis Rader was arrested. Interesting stuff. So, the, I mean, these guys, these guys, they're almost like they're in their own union. Yeah. You know, it's just they know this twistedness. They know themselves. Yes. And then, you know, one last referendum on the uh, – 70s that we didn't mention, but the grisly anniversary of it is is tomorrow, and that's Jonestown. That was one of the worst tragedies in our history. So, now it's uh, so November 18th. Yes. Is and how many people was was Jonestown? Was that 900? 909, including one U.S. Right. congressman. And no, that was where the, the expression "don't drink the Kool Aid" comes from. Yeah, but that's the where it irony comes from. is that he act, it wasn't actually uh, Kool Aid; it was another off-brand. I know, but he led them to believe 
it was Kool-Aid and it was obviously spiked and yeah, over 909, Corey, 909, 909 people voluntarily drank the Kool-Aid. And that was, that's where the expression don't drink, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Well, the problem with that now that it's come out that um, people were forced to drink it because he had armed guards, uh, you know, people with machine guns, people with crossbows, forcing people to, uh, to drink it. And they gave it to the children first. A third of those people that died were children under the age of 18. That's the tragedy. That's the biggest tragedy. See, I don't believe... I don't believe that there's a hell, but if there were, <laughs> there's a special, special dark room for people like that. Yes, for people like that and all these people that we just that we just named. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I got um, something for you, Corey. Yes. So since you like conspiracies, there's been some conspiracy theories regarding Jonestown. Okay. So the theory is, is that uh, the guy who ran Jonestown was a CIA plant, and this was another experiment for MK Ultra. I've not, I've not heard that. Um, yeah, I've, ne- I've never heard that either. Yeah, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard that. Um, I just I think, I think with every tragedy, with every shocking event in history, somebody's going to come up with some sort of conspiracy theory or some way to kind of deflect it. Um, But I, I think, you know, I think when they found all those bodies, I think it was, I think the evidence was, you know, gone over and, and they, they sifted through it all. I don't know that there's a CIA plant in that. and, And if, and if there is, that's, that's a, Great kept secret. Yeah. But the survivors, the survivors have talked about how it was basically forced uh, uh, labor camps, like the conditions. He kept people starved and all the things that he did to them, that it was, uh, you know, it was horrible. Yes. And sleep, sleep like deprivation, sleep yeah. deprivation, hydration deprivation. Yes. He did it. Yeah. He did all of that. And so, right. Um, the reason why the congressman was killed that Paco mentioned, Leo Leo Ryan, because Leo Ryan had done a tour of the facility, and he was going to uh, he was going to do something about it, and so that's why Jones sent people to the uh, to the uh, airfield to shoot him up, and that's what happened. The anniversary of that incident is today, and then Jones knew it was over. So that's when he did what he did the very next day. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. He knew it was over. See, because he was going to get asylum from the Soviet from the Soviet embassy over there in Guyana. But after he shot up, after he shot the congressman, the Soviets had told him, we want nothing more to do with you. Ah. Oh, that's true, yeah. because originally the Jonestown cult began in san francisco correct and they were ma- no, they yeah. were they were heavily That's exactly right they were heavily involved with uh social activism or political activism i should say especially from the left wing 
like they uh, that they were very they were integrated they have this love thing it's basically like the you know very kumbaya but then it just you know got twisted and then it became this love and sex cult it's love was forced uh it was forced slave labor and camped and he became more and more deranged as time went on right it's similar to uh of course manson or uh, David Koresh in the 90s with the Waco. Koresh is what came to my mind. Yeah, more Koresh than anything. Yeah. Right. Because of Waco. But Waco was, well, Waco was just religious and also like, well, I mean, the 90s were an interesting time because you had all these people going off and thinking now that the Cold War is over, the government's on us is uh, going I'll off. I'll tell you what, Paco, you're too young to remember this, but I'll tell you what, Janet Reno, what a set of nads on her to go in there and authorize for that brutal brute force to go in there and get those people out of there yeah. and just turn it into a, a complete coup. And yeah. Koresh, you know, had all those all those young children. I, I give Janet Reno a ton of credit for having having the balls to do that because that was a tough move by a tough lady. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, making that call and sending in the troops, she knew there were going to be casualties. Right. She yeah. had no idea. And I still think, from looking at the footage in, in real time live, the footage is much different as it's been edited over years. But looking at it in real time, to me, it looked like everybody was fleeing for their life. And it did look like, like our people set that place ablaze. Mm. Well, that's the narrative that they want to, you know, thing because it obviously drives the ratings. But unfortunately, no, that... no, I, I watched it as it was unfolding. I watched it for hours that morning, and I was with my buddy Renee, and he and I watched it. And then all of a sudden, you can see where we are as law enforcement, you know, the tobacco and firearms, and there weren't any people over there. And that's where the fire took off from. And all of a sudden, it was, it wasn't just a fire. Man, this thing, this thing was a, this was a bonfire and a half, and it took off quick. I I couldn't light a fire in my own house that quickly. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was that was must see TV back then. I think it was ninety three. If I mean, I I don't know, I could be. Waco was in ninety three. That's right, because actually it was, I was born actually like twelve days earlier because it happened on the fifteenth. Yeah, you probably don't remember when it, watching it on the news. No, I was probably <laughs> asleep in my cradle. No, but uh, I do remember Oklahoma City, and that was a few years after. Do you really remember that bombing? I do. I was seeing it once on TV, and then obviously the OJ trial a little bit. No, and no, then, no. Uh, you remember, do you actually remember as a young child, you remember knowing, being aware that the, of the Oklahoma City bombing? No, I mean, obviously, I had no idea what was what was going on until it was explained to me when I was older. But I do oh, remember okay. seeing was, it on TV. I was going to say you must have been like five, mm-hmm. right? What year was the Oklahoma City bombing? Uh, Ninety-five. So how old were you, Paco? I was two. He was two. Oh yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to be very impressed as to find out how that impressed you as a as a young child, but. You would have had to have been six or seven to really know what the heck was going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even understand the landing on the moon 
and I was eight. <laughs> it was a, it was in a studio in Burbank. I to me, as I always knew I wanted to be an actor, it did look like show business. <laughs> Anyway, and I'm considered the conspiracy theorist, which I'm not, but uh, I think we went, I think we went to the moon just to wrap this up. I think we went to the moon. I think we got spooked by what we saw there. And that's why we haven't gone back since 1972. That's what I believe. Speaking of space, there was a huge milestone this weekend. Anybody, you guys catch that? No, but I, I, I imagine you're going to tell us. So you're going to have to now that you let us on. All right. Well, SpaceX just made their first crude, you know, landing with the International Space Station. Oh, that's you know what, Corey? Actually, that's he's right. And that was actually pretty big news. Super duper big news. Unfortunately, it's been overshadowed by everything else in the news right now. But America, we are back in space. We don't have to uh, (laughs) taxi taxi cab the Russians. I found out something very interesting. You know, Corey. Well, Paco, I know you know, but we've all seen when, you know, they count down and then the rocket begins to take off from the tower. Mm -hmm. Okay. It looks like it's in super slow motion, just barely moving at first, right? Mm -hmm. By the time the bottom of the rocket gets to the top of the tower, how fast do you think it's going? To me, I thought it was going like 15 miles an hour. Because it looks like it's barely inching along, right? Yeah. It's doing 100. By the time the bottom of the rocket gets to the top of the tower, I thought that was unbelievable that it's moving at 100 because it looks like a slow-motion movie when you watch it. It's doing 100 when the bottom of the rocket gets to the top of the tower. I just thought that was amazing information. Well, you know what? Color me skeptical when it comes to space. I believe stuff when we really see it that's great we've got something up in space but let's see if we land somewhere let's see if we actually get some pictures or something so you are a conspiracy theorist no what i'm saying is just that i know that when it comes to information we never have all of it never never so you you can put that in the bank never of nothing of anything we don't have all the information. So, like I said, I'll believe it when I I'll believe it when I see it. You know, it takes three days to get to the moon, but yet we don't go there. That to me makes no sense. Well, I know that I know that um that space travel is gonna become more and more routine for regular people to be able to literally orbit the earth and then come back down. I for one, would love to go in space and experience zero gravity and and be in a ship that's and I'm afraid to fly, but I would go in orbit for sure. I would go in orbit. I would love to experience that. Corey, to answer yes. to answer what your your statement, the reason why well we can't just go to the moon on a whim is because the tech the stuff that we have right now at our availability is not designed for that kind of mission. How do you know that? You can't just take the space shuttle when it was How working you know into that. that. How do you know that? Over a 50-year span, Paco, certainly. They yeah. have advanced, they, I mean, literally, they, they can turn it into a, a monorail shuttle. I mean, it wouldn't be that tough. 
Yeah, Guys, I don't buy. No, I don't buy it. Well, you I don't, don't think so, Corey? Think about it this way. The space shuttle was sold as a space transportation system. That is its uh-huh. technical name, right? So basically, uh-huh. it's a glorified sh- shuttle bus to outer space that uh-huh. moves stuff. That's uh-huh. all it served. So there uh-huh. is no, like, you know, you can't travel to Mars in that thing. It's just not yeah. kind of working. I'm aware, I'm aware of all that. So what are you telling me? I'm just telling you that that's why it was never designed to go to the moon. We can't just land I, there. I space, space shuttle. They can design something else in 50 years. Or 48 years to be exact. Oh, what, look, the same reason why the Russians keeps using the Soyuz modules because they're reliable and we've they've been tested in the field. There's a reason why that that's why we had we had the International Space Station assembled the and way it did. This, and you know this from working at NASA. Well, I've read a lot of stuff about NASA and what. But how do you know that that information is true when it comes to this? See, uh, this is where like you can't be the doubting Thomas every time. So uh, that's why, and, and this stuff is refuted. You, the fact that- But how do you know this? How you don't know, so what I'm, my point is- How do I know that if I drink a lot of wine, I'll get uh, I'll get buzzed? Or how do I know well, that- Well, because if, that's been scientifically proven. Right. Exactly, that's why we know that we've been up there. No, so look at I mean, Outlook, same comes, way as a phone works. When it comes works. to information about space travel, right. I absolutely no. think the government keeps the cards close to the vest. Right, and what I'm saying is you're telling me all about the space shuttle, which I know, and so you can't prove Have you actually otherwise. seen the space shuttle? Like actually in person? No, I've not seen it. I don't need to see it to believe to believe that we're not getting all the information about space. Let me ask you something, Paco. Paco, yeah. there's a very yeah. interesting movie called The Astronaut Farmer. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I love that movie with Billy Bob. Right. Now, that gives you, and first of all, it's a true story. Secondly, it was loosely based on a true story. It, it doesn't matter. It, it it does that doesn't matter. They were trying to point out that if, even if you have the technology, even if you have the smarts, even if you have the means, the government is not interested in sharing the ability to go into space with you. Then how do you explain I, Elon Musk? Well, Elon Musk beat the system. He ended up with enough wealth and enough power and enough influence to be able to team up with another person with enough wealth, power, and influence in Bezos, and and they're making things happen. But, you know, they're in a position where they're almost as powerful as the government. So it would be a fair fight. But if you, like the astronaut farmer, started making a rocket on your farm and decided that you're going to, you're going to, turn around and go up into space for a while. Yeah, they're going to do everything they can to not only stop it. As a matter of fact, at one point in that movie, they threatened to shoot him out of the air while he was in flight. Every, I mean, our government has every reason not to give us the information, knowing that it would likely be a breakdown in our social system. So they're not going to tell us all this stuff. That's a huge incentive. Yes, if they found something up there, they're not going to tell us. But to me, it makes no sense. It's something that's three days away, and you have not truly investigated. Guys, I want to be the uh, I'm I'm going to have to be the Walter Peck in this situation here. But you need to have no regulations in doing this stuff. The reason why I mean, because 
you can't just have the layman just you know try to strap a rocket to himself and go off into orbit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking no, about that's, that's how we're no, saying. that's exactly what you're talking about. You're or better yet, you're uh, you're making a conflict or making the case that you know space travel. What we see is just a TV show. Corey, let me let me do this. I think I, so what on, are you Corey, saying then, Corey? Let me let me give it. A, let me just do this. Real, let me give it a shot here. Okay. Paco, you're familiar with the art of being a magician, right? Yeah, slide a hand. Do, watch my finger disappear. Slide a hand. Just hear me out. They hold an object out and say, "Keep your eye on this object." Meanwhile, their other hand is doing something else. That said, that's the art of sleight of hand. Okay, basically. Now, there was a story about ten years ago, and the government always talked about, "Ooh, we're bringing back space dust. We're bringing back moon dust." We're going to make sure we're able to analyze it and everything. And everybody's watching out for this moon dust. Let me tell you something. A story about 10 or 12 years ago in which a guy who worked at NASA literally went into a file cabinet. It wasn't in a safe. It wasn't behind a vault door. And he stole some of the moon dust. And he brought it home and put it under his covers so that he and his girlfriend could fool around on the moon. That was the thing. And they got caught having stolen this moon dust that wasn't really even being protected. They, it was no big deal. And the, the government always said, ooh, we got, we got moon dust. We got rocks. We got moon rocks. It's so valuable. I don't think they're valuable at all. I think they're rocks like any other rocks. I think they just wanted, like a magician, have you looking over here at the rocks while you're not looking over here at something that they're really trying to keep you from seeing? Yeah. How's that, Corey? How's yeah, that? I think that we're, I, I think that works. I mean, the reality of the situation is this, is that um, what either one of us is saying cannot be proven, nor will it be proven. Yeah, like so I can't prove nobody, that there were no weapons of mass destruction wrong. in Iraq. <laughs> so nobody's wrong in this. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's honestly a matter of opinion and perspective, yeah. And and you got to kind of go with your gut, but uh, you know, I just I, I do have to agree with Corey that we are never going to know the the depth of the truth, and and I think it's in their best interest that we don't know. Absolutely, I mean, all right, just, Corey. I mean, I'd say let's put a bow on it. As using your expression, let's put a bow on it. And I'll let you wrap it up, but I, I'll tell you what, this was this turned into a really interesting conversation. And as far as the serial killers, there's before we get away from that too far, there's always been a massive curiosity and interest about why anyone would want to commit murder again and again and again and again. Yes, and and commit heinous acts in order to achieve murder. And that's the thing, positioning the bodies and doing all sorts of weird stuff, keeping scorecards. I mean, the things, you know, storing bodies. Taking trophies of yes. the people home with them. And, and, and here's the thing. Most murders are by someone in the inner circle. It's yeah. a husband killing the wife, the wife killing the husband. It's somebody very close to the person who is the victim. When you got a serial killer, where there's no connection and they're just killing 
human beings randomly, whoever yes. happens to be unfortunate enough to cross paths with them, yeah, that 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 will stump police for a little while, but with surveillance and with technology and forensic science, they're getting so far ahead of it. It's it's not quite minority report yet, but it's getting there. There you go. Well, that's it. That's nineteen seventy four, the year of fear. Whatever you agree with that or not, you have to decide that for yourself. And that is the truth is alien. Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court, realized they have to face Paul Sorrentino, and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900. And rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. Welcome back to JV to the Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey. Corey, what a segment on The Truth is Alien. We went from serial killers all over the country, dating back 50 years, to space. I mean, we were all over the planet, and then some. Yeah, I'd, say, I'd say we we earned our keep last segment. Now, what do you say we shift gears and we go right into our wheelhouse and uh, talk a little sports. Give us a topic, give us a direction, and let's run with it. All right, so, you know, I'm a big fan of list. So I thought we would have some fun, because I know we talk about this on some of the other podcasts that we do. So I thought, you know, the next few weeks, let's go through and let's talk about who we think are the top five best teams that we've seen top five best players that we've seen in each sport. But let's start out with football. That's the one that probably you and I are most passionate about. And let's talk about, you know, the greatest players, in our opinion, we feel the greatest players of all time. Now, my caveat is this. I'm only going to do it from the foot, from the Super Bowl era. So in other words, that's actually going to exclude maybe the best player of all time, and that's Jim Brown. I was going to say Sammy Baugh. Okay. <laughs> or Sammy Baugh, 
autogram. I'm only going to talk right. about uh, the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Super Bowl era. Okay. You know, starting with you know, like starting with the uh, Green Bay Packers and uh, Lombardi, and going forward to now. Okay, yeah, and the first AFC team to win the Super Bowl. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Um, I think um, I think since Paco wasn't alive for more than half of that era, we'll we'll go you and I on this. Yes. Okay. So Corey, I'll I'll allow you the privilege of going first. All right. So I'll start out with players, and I'm going to go with players that I've seen, obviously, that I've watched a lot, and in no particular order. Tom Brady. Wait, wait. These are these are the, be- the, these are best best yes, players. Best players of all time. Oh, okay. Because I thought I, I thought you said Tom Brady. Go ahead. Yes. So Tom Brady, <laughs> Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Lawrence Taylor, Deion Sanders. That's my okay. top. I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree. I've said this to you before. When it comes to Joe Montana, I think Joe Montana was sprinkled with a with a some sort of extra helping from God because his arm happened to be the exact speed of Jerry Rice's legs. <laughs> I think Jerry Rice would have been the Hall of Famer no matter what, but I think Joe Montana, anywhere else in his career, but San Francisco, and he doesn't have the same career. I can't do that, though. I can't. I, know. I just, I can't do that. I think it's interesting that Montana is Brady's idol and hero in football. And you got them both on the list. Yeah, I mean, those are the two best quarterbacks of all time. You know, my opinion, okay. followed closely by Peyton Manning. Closely by Peyton Manning. Yes. Okay. I am I am going to go, um, well, Staubach. Okay. I know you don't agree, but I, Staubach. I think no, this is, your, this is your list. I'm not. I'm not no, no, it's okay for you not to not to agree. I just yeah. Staubach is is on my list. Um, uh-huh. You have actually softened my position on Namath. I do think Namath's one of the all time greats because I don't know anybody else that was able to throw a football and make it sound like it's sizzling through the air. But I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna leave Namath off off this list. My only problem, my only problem with Namath is, is that when you throw more interceptions than touchdowns, you can't be on that list. That's my okay. problem. With I, I agree. I, I, I told you, you have softened my position. Do you remember a uh, defensive end um, played for the Giants in the eighties and nineties? His name is on the list. That's Lawrence Taylor. He's Taylor. on my list. Yeah, yeah he's on my Taylor, list. greatest defensive end ever. Yes, without, without a doubt. doubt. Um, I, I've got to put, um, um, I'm thinking of uh, his equivalent in Buffalo. Um, uh, Bruce Smith. Smith. Bruce Smith. Yeah, Bruce Smith on that list. Um, I do have Jerry Rice on that list. Okay, and those are my five. Um, okay. You know, pretty similar list to you. Some of the same people. 
But, yeah. Um, yeah, Lawrence but, the but the quarterback, I mean, the quarterback, and I get it, it's your list. So I get it. But, I mean, I just, I don't know how you could have, I know you you hate Brady, but I don't know how you could have Starbuck over, <laughs> over Montana or even John Elway or Dan Marino. To tell you the truth, I would take Elway in a pickup game of the with guys in their prime. I would take Elway over Brady. I'd take Elway over Brady. I'd take Elway over just about anybody. Well, you'd be I the think Elway, Elway was unbelievable. Yeah, you'd be the only one. And, and I think our list, I think our list five years from now, with Mahomes doing what he's doing, I think both our lists are going to change. Well, I think uh, Mahomes will bump out of my list, I mean, he'll bump someone. He'll bump Montana. But, I mean, Probably. Brady's going to be there with six. And I know it's acid in your mouth, but, I mean, he's done. No, it, I, it, I, I get it. I totally get it. I just think I think that when I saw Elway playing with not much of a team around and doing the things he was doing, I mean, to me, that would have been like what we're watching from Mahomes now. And I that mobility – and that at that toughness, I mean, he was getting beat up like it was street ball, and he just kept getting up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Elway, I think Elway may have been maybe one of the top two or three greatest quarterbacks ever. I put him in the top five, but he's not. I mean, he's not the best. Now here's, here's, here's somebody else that neither one of us mentioned, uh, Warren Moon. Yeah, I'm not there. No I championships. I, I'm not. I'm not there. Well, hang on, hang on. He did go to CFL. Yeah. And he shows up and wins five Grey Cups in a row, which uh, is the equivalent of the Super Bowl in Canada. Yeah. He okay. went five in a row there. Okay. But yeah. Warren Moon, Warren Moon would be my other choice in front of Brady. I know. Because like I get what you're saying. But Anybody but Brady. I get it. If we were talking about just quarterbacks, Brady would be on my list. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but I got Lawrence Taylor. I got Bruce Smith. I got I got guys that are really deserving of being on that list. Well, I know this is I know this is acid in your mouth, but when they did top one hundred of all time, by all the experts, Brady was number one. So I, just thought Jerry Rice, I, I thought Jerry Rice was number one. No, it was Brady. It was Brady. Really? Yeah. Well, that's not acid in my mouth. That's six championships. That's coming back. That's coming back in the fourth quarter like nobody's business. That's coming back in the Super Bowl. That's doing some pretty amazing things. Yeah, I get it. Now, for teams, do you want to do your teams? Um. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I was going to say, we, we just got done talking about 1974 and serial killers and everything, but uh, I don't think people realize the greatest draft in NFL history was the 74 Steelers. Yeah. That was the Mean Joe Green draft, and that was the greatest draft in history. And for that, I think my one of my top five teams is the 78 Steelers with Jack Lambert and the gang. We agree. That's on my list. 89, the 89-49ers. We agree. That's on my list. Is that on your list? We're two for two. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. We're two for uh, two. 
I, I'm going to say the 85 Bears. We're three for three. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I'm looking at it right here. The listeners are looking not going to right here. We didn't do this list together. They did. Now, now we got two more to go, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say the 03 Patriots. We are very close. I have the 04 Patriots. Yeah, the 04 Patriots. I figured as much. The 03 uh-huh. Patriots. And I got the 07 Patriots. Okay. So that's where we differ. I have the 92 Cowboys. Oh, oh, my bad. Yeah, you're right. That offensive line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my greatest offensive line in NFL history. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That was yeah. a Herschel Walker offensive line. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, see, I, the reason why I won't say the 07 Patriots is because they just didn't close the deal. I have them as one of the greatest teams of all time, but they just didn't, they didn't close. They well, just didn't. I, close. I'm, I'm very relieved that neither one of us had the 72 Dolphins on the list. Uh, no, no. Right. Because because a lot of people don't realize, although the Dolphins did close the deal undefeated, 17-0, the Dolphins went into that Super Bowl as underdogs. Even though they were undefeated, they were underdogs in that Super Bowl. So that was not a great, great team. And and I didn't think the um, Packers of Super Bowl I was a great team because they were going up against a, a league of schlubs, you know? Um, the league didn't really start to take form until about 71, 72, 73. That's when the league really started to become, uh, you know, a, a competitive parody. I'm going to give you so, something about the, I'm going to give you something about the New England Patriots, the 04 Patriots that most people don't realize. They played the bulk of their season without Ty Law. He missed pretty much the entire year and most of their best wide receiver, Deion Branch. And they still went 14-2. and two. And who was the MVP of the Super Bowl? Deion Branch. Deion Branch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> most people would never know that trivia. Deion exactly. Branch was the MVP of that Super Bowl. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that team, that team was loaded. And the unfortunate yeah. thing is they couldn't keep everybody together, free agency and uh, coaches' defections. Uh, but that team was just loaded. Yeah, but once they started contouring the contracts and being able to keep guys where they are and the guys were happy to be winning and they were loving the fact that they had a strong bench, yeah, they, they were able to keep things in order and keep control of things and lost very few people. Yeah. Yeah. Well the key guy the key guy that they lost from that Super Bowl team, he left the season after was uh Willie McGinnis. McGinnis. Yep. Uh, but uh yeah, I mean, we are we are in lockstep with the teams. <laughs> <laughs> and, we never, and and I can tell anybody listening, we yeah. never had this conversation. I never. mean we knew one day we were gonna pick out our five best NFL teams of all time. But we yes. we didn't we didn't discuss this. I mean that's pretty that's pretty impressive that you're as smart as I am. 
Yes, thank God. I mean, I think the only one, I think the only team that we discussed was the '85 Bears. I mean, I, that was probably the best team that I've ever seen for a single season, not a dynasty, but probably the best team I've ever, I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, what a balance! What a balance! Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they. It's amazing they didn't go undefeated. But you know, I've said this before. Credit to your Patriots. The that '85 Bears team went through the playoffs and didn't give up a point to anyone until the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and that the Patriot that Patriots team scored ten. Yes. I mean, nobody got a point on them until the Super Bowl, and the Patriots put ten on the board, which to me was like a victory. Although and you know the, what final, I, the final was what forty-five to ten. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. You know what was painful? Don't feel bad. They scored 10. Nobody else. I mean, the Rams, nobody else was scoring a point. I'll tell you what I didn't like about that game. I mean, I didn't think that they were going to beat the Bears. But what I didn't like was what I thought was a lack of toughness. Now, of course, I'm a kid. I'm watching it from the safety of my home. I'm not getting blasted by Mike Singletary. But I just didn't like the way Tony Eason, the quarterback for the Patriots at the time, the way he played, the way he was turtling. I mean, guys not wanting to get hit. It's just like after a while, they didn't want to be there. Corey, like that game, that game was when over. I watched those guys in interviews, I was frightened at home. Those guys were scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, they, were, they were all a scary group. But yeah. if you watched the pregame, before the Super Bowl started, McMahon and the fridge and sweetness and Singletary, they're just not saying a word right. to each other. They're looking at each other and a little wink, looking at each other and a little wink. And I thought, oh my God. I mean, I mean they, knew. they are they so knew ready. I mean, really, they knew. And here's the thing with them they knew because they didn't have to play the 49ers. They knew they were getting to the Super Bowl. They knew. Yeah. That's true. That is true. They they were they they had won that game before it started. Yeah. You know, and and I, I was a little uneasy and unhappy with the fact that they didn't get Peyton a, a touchdown. I mean, they could have run up the score. They could have gotten Walter Peyton a touchdown. Instead, they got the fridge a touchdown. Yeah. I think that was I think that was a stain on that day. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they could have yeah. They could they could have found a way to get him in the end zone and get him get him a get him a Super Bowl touchdown. Yeah. I mean that, that that's the only thing I think they did wrong. I think Ditka, you know, no pun intended, I think he dropped the ball at that in that regard. I mean the gimmick of of getting the fridge, the ball, and having him plow through, great. That's funny and everything. But get one for sweetness. He really earned it. You know what's funny? Um, and I don't I don't really like to do this, but just – What do you mean? Like ha-ha funny or Paco funny? No, just uh, not even Paco funny, just strange funny. That I think the Bears are the greatest team, single 85 Bears. But I think the other teams on our list would beat those Bears if they played them. 
in a neutral field. Wow. Um, I because, think the Niners, because the 89 course, Niners, because of the, the hell of a game. Because of the quarterbacks. I, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, um, oh my gosh, um, I'm thinking of a defenseman number 93 on uh, on the Niners from that 89 Niners team. Um, it had a long, it had a long name. It began with a D. Um, but I, 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 I just, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> that would have, that I would watch that game. I mean, I would watch the Niners against the 85 Bears. See, and the reason why I say that because all those other teams had tremendous offensive line, and I don't think that the Bears could score enough to keep up with them. Could, you think the 92 Cowboys beat the 85 Bears? Yes, I do. Yeah. I think I think with that offensive line, I think more than likely. I don't know that they beat them 10 out of 10, but I think they probably beat them 6 or 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can buy that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bears are going to win a few. And the other thing that I would ah. urge you is if you go back and look at Brady, Back then, and his arm, people forget how great his arm was when he was a kid, when he was 28. Well, that so was 30 years, years ago, right? <laughs> so you think about, <laughs> so you think about a 20, so you think about a 28, uh, 27, 27 year old Brady with that arm. Well, when I watched him tossing him downfield to Moss. That was remarkable. That yeah. ball came. That ball came right out of the heavens, and Moss didn't have to speed up or slow down. Right, he just had to run full throttle. And that's why Brady got his Brady got his fiftieth touchdown pass. Yeah, as Moss got his fiftieth touchdown reception. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that ball in the Hall of Fame? Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's I think why we, I think we had a great list. You know, yeah. we we should do this. We should do this at the end of each year, and you know, talk about about baseball and baseball players. Maybe we'll do that. Um, maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah, next week let's do uh, baseball. I'll be shocked if we're on the same on on baseball. I, I'll bet you our five. I mean, we're not going to share it, but I bet you two of our five greatest baseball teams of all time will be the same. I don't know that our list will be as identical. This was remarkable. You know, you're looking at 58 years of teams, and you and I had picked basically the same five teams. Yeah. I think our players might be close. Yeah. Talk about yeah. Greatest, greatest. I mean, you got to remember, I've been a pitcher my whole life. So my, my list is probably going to be pitcher heavy. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. That's a good you know what? We should have a pitcher's list and a player's list. That's a good because, idea. Yeah. Okay. Because it wouldn't be it wouldn't yeah. be fair to just pick five players, including pitchers. Pitchers okay. are are special. All right. I'll get uh I'll get pitchers too. Okay. So fair enough. All right. All right. And my favorite engineer is Paco. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap up Season 2, Episode 46 of JV to the Pros. And you can get a hold of us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google, 
You could email us at jvdepros, all spelled out, at gmail.com. You could leave comments and compliments on our Facebook page, JV to the pros. And what am I missing? What am I missing? Am I missing a platform? I don't think I hit it all. Yeah, I think you hit it all. I had it all. All right. That is wrapping up season two, episode 46 of JV to the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, the Iron Man, Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey. My friend, I want to thank you once again for a great show. Paco, great contributions from you tonight. Seriously, you were you were on point, you know, and, and you stayed nice and quiet for the sports. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's why he's the last man standing. He's the last man standing, and we love him. Well, someone's got to pick up after you guys, you know. we got to put all the toys away. I can almost hear the broom. All right, is anybody throwing us out of here? Oh, no, think, actually, uh, we're... I think the two producers, I think the two producers are going to throw us out. There we go. All right, guys. They're going to throw you out on the couch tonight. tonight, guys. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> good show. Good job. Good show, guys. All right. Night, All right, fellas. We'll be back next week. You know I'm Jack. That's Corey, and that's Paco. We're out. All right. Good job, guys. Night.